As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome everybody. I'm Danny Kelly, uh, the new host of The View from the Lane, uh, the Athletics' fantastic Tottenham Hotspur podcast. I guess it's fair to say I'll be hosting the show for the rest of the season and fantastic news following on the success of the podcast last season. It's now going to be twice a week. We hope you can join us uh, for all of that. Uh, I'm joined in the podcast, of course, by the Athletics' James Moore and the Athletics' Charlie Eccleshare. Jack Pitbrook, who you're used to, of course, he's not been entirely given the elbow. He's had to go to Paris. There's some kind of football story going on there. Uh, I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, but listen, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Let me say hello first uh, to James. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Danny. How are you? Very, very good indeed. And to Charlie, how are you, Charlie? I'm good. How are you? Very good. I'm very grateful for you introducing me a few moments ago to the idea of the hard stop, the amount of time you can actually... <laughs> Uh, devote to this podcast to establish my Spurs credentials before we get going. I'm going to, well, I'll often produce bits of memorabilia. It doesn't really work, does it, on an audio uh, uh, platform, but I, I'll do this and explain to people. This gentleman is the oh, yeah. flag that I took to Wembley and waved the last time the Spurs won a trophy. I think, Charlie, you're probably still in what they might call prep school. Um, <laughs> certainly, certainly none of you had left school because um, it's 13 long years ago, which shows the importance uh, of why we're doing this podcast and this opening few weeks of the season for Tottenham because, of course, we all normally head into a season um, full of optimism that this is the year they will win a trophy. I don't think that's the case. I think this is the most extraordinarily confused I've ever seen any club in the early uh, weeks of a new season. Let's start with the big question. I'm looking. It doesn't take a genius to work out what it is, but I'll phrase it a different way. Charlie, if I start with you, um, you write about Spurs. Why is Harry Kane still at Tottenham? Why haven't Manchester City ponied up the money and bought him? That is a good question. Um, I mean, I think part of it ties into this thing that happens every year where uh, clubs do what students do with their essays. And rather than actually just doing it, couple of weeks in advance as is 
possible there's this sort of unwritten rule that you can't actually get your arse in gear until the very last minute and submit it on the day it's due and clubs seem to have the same approach that yeah we could sign a player now but should we just wait until august 31st and do it then um and i guess with the huge sums of money involved and you know the fact that that can change things by waiting and altering clubs leverage and that sort of thing they might feel that by leaving it a bit longer uh they won't have to pay over the odds and that you know spurs might be more willing to sell in a few weeks the indications we have is that that isn't really going to be the case and obviously daniel levy is not one uh known for his uh kind of flexibility in negotiations but I suppose the only thing you would say you would deduce is that they think that they can wait it out and eventually even Levy uh, will relent. I love that phrase, not known for his flexibility <laughs> in negotiations. That is indeed Didn't one matter. way of putting it, though I doubt it's the way that other chairmen uh, put it. Um, but James, everything, everything that Charlie says there is true, but surely, I mean, the very fact that we've not got Jack with us for the podcast shows that these nation-state clubs, of which Manchester City are one, if they want to move heaven and earth, if they need to do something, they can get it done. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, on the face of it, you know, Manchester City have paid £100 million for the guy that England subbed on and then had to sub off again in the Euros. So you'd think, you know, if they wanted to buy the best player in the Premier League, which I would say Harry Kane certainly has been for the last few years, uh, you would have thought, as you say, they could pony up the money and... uh, get the deal done ahead of the start of the season. But clearly they're, they're dragging their heels. To go back to your original question of what is Harry Kane still doing at Spurs, I think I've asked that question of so many players down the years. You know, you, you, watch, you watch these incredible players in what I would probably say were sort of six out of ten teams. And it is, it is bizarre, the quality of some of the players who've seen play in Spurs teams that have ended up finishing sort of seventh and eighth, isn't it, when you think about it? Oh, look, what, what else? Um, you know, I, I know, and I'm not going to press uh, Charlie on his own religious affiliations. Um, you know, that, that's all that's all's kept me going over, I mean, goodness, over half a century of watching exactly that conundrum that you're talking about. I support a reasonably average team here with a lovely history and now a very nice stadium. Um, but we've always got two fantastic players and you kind of pin your hope to. I will say this about Harry Kane. Um, and perhaps this is not supposed to be a confessional. Some years ago, I can't remember exactly which incident it was, I swore, I swore on a stack of Bibles and Marvin Gaye albums that I would never, ever fall in love with a professional footballer again, ever. And I went back on it, and I've allowed myself to fall in love with Harry Kane. And I understand, you know, I've been around the game a long time, I understand the machinations and the finances and all the rest of it. And I still don't want him to go. I want him to stay. I want him to run down his contract. I don't care if Spurs get no money from him. What do I care about the finances of it? I want Harry to stay. What's quite interesting about that is if he, if he runs down his contract, he'll be at Spurs till he's 31, which I think was the age that Teddy Sheringham left. To win trophies. <laughs> won, won, everything, won everything afterwards in like four years at Manchester United and still had time to come back and play for Spurs for another two years. And Kane, you know, you think he doesn't rely on pace in a similar sort of way to Teddy Sheringham, really. So you, he could easily run down his contract, leave in 2024, is it? Uh, win everything and then come back by sort of 2028. At Harry's pace, the only thing he will run down is his contract. To be truthful about him, isn't it? <laughs> Charlie, one of the things that perhaps James and I worry more than you about this is how this looks to the rest of the world. I mean, Spurs fancy themselves a big club. They are, of course, one of the founding members of the European Super League. More about that, no doubt, as the season <laughs> progresses. 
as they're in the Europa Conference League. I mean, the optics of this for supporters of other clubs, and perhaps we shouldn't be doing this on the Spurs podcast, but the optics for fans is just hilarious. I mean, now that the pandemic seems to be waning, you know, with God's help, if you were to hire huge auditoria, you could get people to pay just to watch Spurs' embarrassment, couldn't you? And Spurs fans' embarrassment. Yeah. I mean, firstly, great use of auditoria. Um, too often, the um, are pluralisation is, is overlooked. Oh, no, no. Not on this podcast. Not, not on the standards we're setting on this no, podcast. No, I mean, as no anyone way. like I have with a Latin A-level, uh, you know, that is oh based... I know, you know. Just, just drop that <laughs> in. Dang. <laughs> Danny, you're talking to a bloke who's got his marathon personal best in his Twitter bio. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's not the most modest man. The Latin didn't help that. Marathon's Greek, surely. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. But just thinking back to the auditoria, I don't, I don't think it has been that embarrassing for Spurs in a way because at least I think they've been fairly consistent um, with what they've said, basically put up or shut up. And as, as it stands, City haven't done that. So we've seen other clubs almost be bullied into submission and that can seem quite embarrassing or teams flip-flopping on saying, you know, a player is not going to be sold and then he is. Whereas I feel at least Tottenham, their messaging on Kane has been pretty clear and hasn't really deviated. Some might feel that, yes, it's, it's clearly not a great look when you've got, you know, the captain seemingly uh, at odds with, with the club. But I think they've handled it OK. I think, I think where most people have an issue is probably, you know, the fact that Kane has kind of it seems like he didn't go in for training and then said that wasn't the plan. And I think those things have irritated the fans more uh, than anything the club have done. But I may be wrong. Everybody measures football different ways. Uh, still, the best measure is the evidence for your own eyes. But if you just take the Optus stats, the best seven players in the Premier League last season, five of them were at Manchester City. The other two were Jack Grealish and Harry Kane. Hmm. We've seen with Paris Saint-Germain and Messi the agglomeration of talent into a handful of clubs um, is being accelerated by the pandemic. Um, but we literally um, could end up with all of the best players in the country playing for one club, Manchester City. And then on other podcasts, not as good as this, and certainly not as across the ancient languages as this podcast, you're going to have people saying, yeah, we can win the league. Can you really? Have you ever seen Manchester City's squad? Can you really uh, win the league? But just just to stop you, Danny, because uh, I've kind of got Tom Werber. Well done, by the way, for yeah. stopping me. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my colleagues, Tom Werber and Mark Carey, kind of in my head here. When you say Optus stats for the best players, I mean, Optus pretty granular on their stats. Do they have a best player stat? I mean, what's that being What's that being judged on? They, 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 there's, a, there's a performance matrix where it's, um, con- I think, if I got this right, contribution to winning games so it's quite hard for defenders okay. to, it's quite hard for defenders to do well in it so it, effectively it's the game changers and uh, last season okay. at the end of the season five of those were Manchester City's front five plus Kane plus Grealish um, but City are not prepared to take that risk with, it, with the Opta trophy <laughs> next season we're going to talk a little later in the podcast and I, I should tell, tell, tell people what we're going to do we're going to talk about the new boys at Spurs by which I mean um, the off-the-pitch people, Nuno Espirito Santo and uh, Fabio Peratici. Um, and we're going to talk about the mystery of Tanga and Domble. And we're, we're going to come around eventually to try and pick an eleven that will uh, somehow uh, face up to Manchester City at the lane at the weekend. Um, but uh, and the last word on Kane, I guess, at the present moment, because, of course, this could all change even by the, team, by the time people are listening to this podcast. I'm looking forward to perhaps, I, I hope they play him. I really hope Spurs play him. 
Um, and I'm looking forward to when he scores the first goal, having watched three generations of footballers not celebrating against their old team. I'm looking forward to Harry <laughs> not celebrating against his future team and a new breakthrough in modern football. It should be really, really good. We'll talk about whether or not you, uh, gentlemen, think he, he might feature. Um, I was going to say in that white shirt, but of course there's another possibility as well every week that they'll be wearing the psychedelic shirt, um, the one that echoes the cover of uh, King Crimson's Islands album from 1969. Um, we'll see which ones they, they turn out in. Um, because if Kane is already one sign of slight chaos, chaos with a small c, K, chaos uh, for the German listeners, um, we've also got the issue here, surely, that um, here's a club who've got two completely new people at the controls. If you, let's talk about the manager first, Nuno Espirito Santo. He's the sixth choice. The poor man is in a terrible situation, isn't he? He, he, he doesn't know whether the new players are being bought to augment the squad or whether they're being bought on tick, knowing that they're going to sell Kane. Let me ask you a question, either of you, both of you. Do we even know how Spurs are going to play next season? Three at the back? Wing backs? Two up front? What's happening? Well, I think his, I mean, his pre-season games, he's been pretty consistent in how he's played. It's been four at the back and then a kind of... 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1 in possession. Um, so I'd imagine he'll do something similar. That's how he'll start. He's very flexible. He's more flexible than um, he's often given credit for. I mean, I should say, I've just finished writing a very, very long piece on Nuno that goes up on The Athletic, I think, Thursday morning. So uh, there's loads in there if, if you are interested in him. But yeah, one of the themes that emerged in that was that he is quite flexible in the way he plays. He's got this reputation for being wedded to three at the back, but that was actually a system he played at Wolves, but he barely played at all at Valencia and Porto. Uh, so I think he's more of a pragmatist. But I mean, the, the thing with the preseason games was it was actually quite encouraging. They attacked with more cohesion than often uh, they did uh, last season. And just linking to the previous question about whether Kane plays... I'd be surprised if he started just because they've seemed to have put quite a lot of effort into playing with this front four of Son, uh, Bergvine, Mora and Delhi, And that's worked quite well for them. There's also a thing in the piece that Nuno stung to one of his former colleagues. He, he rarely plays people who haven't been there in training for the full week leading up to the game because he feels that it's so important that all his messages have got across. So it'd be interesting to see if, Kane, if he makes an exception for Kane, who, you know, if you're going to make an exception for anyone, he's probably the guy you do it for. That's quite a big statement, isn't it? If, if Kane's in the 18, in the matchday squad, sorry, 20, I think it is now, isn't it? Mm. It's kind of a bit of a one in the eye for Manchester City if this guy that they're seemingly so desperate to sign is suddenly, I mean, presumably sat on the bench. I mean, I agree with Charlie. I can't, I can't see it as anyway he starts the game. But it does seem like quite a big, I mean, I would be amazed if even that happened, to be honest. But it feels like it would be quite a big sort of shift in the landscape if he was involved in that game. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman. This is what we've got planned for you across the Athletic Podcast Network this season. The Ornstein and Chapman podcast has been rebranded as the Athletic Football Podcast. We'll release four episodes across the week as our journalists bring you the very best insight into the biggest stories in football and the business of sport. Michael Cox will continue to bring you the smartest analysis of all the big games in the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. Adam Hurry will now host two episodes of the Football Clichés podcast every single week with his usual take on the game. There's a brand new athletic FPL podcast with our fantasy football expert, 
the FPL General, giving you all the advice you need to stay ahead of your mates and top of the FPL rankings. And the Athletic Podcast Network is also home now to host of club-specific shows, some of which are going to be releasing multiple episodes every week. And we're now your destination, don't forget, for the Totally Football Show with James Richardson and the Totally Football League Show. And that is it. We can't fit any more in. All you've got to do is search for The Athletic in your podcast provider of choice or go to our podcast section on The Athletic app. Not surprisingly, with all of the stuff that I've just mentioned, The Athletic is now the world's biggest football podcast network. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Can we have a talk about uh, Fabio Paritici? How are we pronouncing his name? How are you going? You're the language expert, Charlie. How are you pronouncing his name? It's Paratici. And that came from James Horncastle, who, ah. uh, who should know. No, no, oh, no, no, no. We have to back down when the Horncastle speaks. Uh, that's fine. Um, he has arrived at Spurs with this phenomenal reputation for, um, excuse me, Harry, read that, wheeling and dealing. Um, and he spends more time on his phone than my teenage nieces. Um, are we seeing the fruits of it yet? Or are, are we, James, to be slightly suspicious of this modus operandi that's been described to us, whereby he takes, say he needs a left back, he contacts the clubs of 10 different left backs and starts some kind of gentleman's excuse me um, or musical <laughs> chairs with them. Yeah, I do wonder about that that technique. I mean, if you're if you're the kind of eighth choice of those 10 left backs, I mean, presumably like it's quite Luna. well known. Well, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, presumably it's quite well known, particularly in Italy, that that's how this guy operates. And you would have thought, you know, the second someone sees Tottenham are interested in him, they might just kind of think, well, am I, am I going to be first choice or am I going to be, you know, given the elbow after having a medical because they've ended up getting someone who was two places up the list. I mean, I don't, I don't know whether that would necessarily be hugely encouraging to suddenly you know, have Tottenham on the phone it, it, when you know that uh, the director of football is on the phone to everyone else. It's just that Daniel Levy, he gets these fixations, doesn't he? You know, Mourinho was a fixation. He had to get him because he was doing this. They got him and he didn't like him when he got him there. Um, and I think Paratici is somewhat similar, um, Charlie. is someone who... Levy has seen Wheeling and Dean, and particularly, of course, specialising in the free transfer at the end of players' contracts. Players that no doubt Juventus have contacted and said, you want to run that contract down, mate? You'll get a great contract in Turin. Well, they've said it's about 12 players, probably. Some of whom have then let their contract <laughs> run down and don't get the move. I'm like, Fabio! Virtually no contract in Europe um, reaches and gets renewed now because they're all <laughs> yeah. waiting for, for the fab to give, the, give him a ring. 
Um, I just wonder whether at the present moment, the original joy when he arrives, I mean, somewhat the air has been taken out of those tyres by watching him make endless phone calls. But so far, a uh, swap deal for Lamella. And of course, that one, incidentally, I'm hope, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here. The deal for Lamella and Hill, um, I'm very, I'm deeply suspicious of because there's only one cleverer person than Fabio in the entire of European football. That's Monchi, the director of football. Mm, that's true. And 99 times out of 100, if you get involved in a swap deal with him, you'll be getting the linings from their bin in, in return for one of your players. I'm also very sorry. I'm sure everyone on the podcast is see the back of Eric Lamella. If ever there was a more Argentinian footballer, talented, <laughs> temperamental, dirty. I loved Eric. I mean, he couldn't play for Toffee some of the games he played. I mean, there are bonus, all the rest of it. But at least you knew at least you knew he was on the pitch. And more importantly, the Oppo knew that he was on the pitch. <laughs> and that performance against Arsenal last year comes on a sub, I mean, gets the Rabona, gets sent off, waves to the crowd. Great day's work as far as Eric's <laughs> concerned. I mean, that pretty much summed up his whole career, that, didn't it? I think that sort of half hour of football, from the sublime to the ridiculous. I mean, that is uh, that is Eric Lamella, isn't it? Yeah, and the, but the fellow um, who has replaced him, Hill, um, I, 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 Spurs fans, I think if you go on eight-minute showreels on YouTube, and I'm sure you've both watched it, I was talking to my colleagues on a European uh, sports show that I do, and saying it reminded me, and I hated to say the words because you sound insane. The way he carries the ball reminded me of Johan Cruyff. Johan Cruyff! Mm. But apparently he's called Little Cryf in Spain. Yeah, yeah. But people have seen this in him. Now I want to turn to something that I think the great mystery writers and film directors would call the mysterious future of Tangay and Dombele. His name even smacks of exotic adventure. What's happening with this fellow? Is he a misunderstood genius? Misunderstood by the last three Spurs managers, by the way. Or the, <laughs> yeah. or the club's worst ever purchase? I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned the last three managers. That does kind of seem like a fairly clear understanding, isn't it, to me? Um, or a fairly universal understanding, maybe. Um, they could be wrong. They, they could, could be they wrong. They could all be wrong. These three very different managers and three di- very different men. Or or four, I guess, I suppose, if you include Mason, who I don't think played him at all, did he? Very, he played his first game and then he didn't start after that. Oh, that's right. He got subbed against Southampton. He got hooked after an hour yeah. against Southampton, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't play at all I mean, the I, final. We've been very big advocates of, uh, of Tungi and Dombele on this podcast over the last two years, but I do, I do have to admit, even I have been uh, tested by the fact that he's gone away for the whole summer and come back and seemingly not been either in a physical or mental state to play in pre-season matches. I mean, you know, he's had the benefit of not being involved in one of the major... I can tell Charlie is already desperate to come in and defend him, which I suppose at least gives us balance. He, he is one of the most interesting players Spurs have for sure. And someone I've, I've probably written about him more than anyone else in the last two years, including on Tuesday, uh, a piece kind of explaining the current situation, you know, which is essentially that he would be open to a move. Uh, certainly if he, you know, continues not to play, it's a bit chicken and egg, you know, is he not playing because he wants to move or vice versa? You know, Nuno didn't pick him on the weekend not not because of a fitness issue, you know, he just didn't think he was in the right state of mind. And again, you can think, is that because he's he's weighing up his options? He he's someone who you, you kind of constantly think, I've had enough, you know, I'm I'm washing my hands of him, and then he'll do something and just kind of hook you back in. That that's what he's done again and again, you know, be it a a turn, um, a drop of the shoulder, one of these passes that he can do. And then yeah, you're you're hooked again. And there was an expression so someone I spoke to in France um, 
not to come across a complete knob again, but he, the expression he oh, used no, you was... Do. Ne- By all means, do. Lean into it, Charlie, come on. I mean, I may as well just own it. Anyway, he says they have an expression in France, uh, ni avec lui, ni sans lui, which basically translates as can't live with him, can't live without him. And this contact I was speaking to used that in relation to Ndombele. And he said, because all, all the managers at Spurs have had it, you know, Mourinho, it looked like he was out. But then, but then Mourinho played him loads last season because he realised he had something that no one else in that Spurs team or that midfield had. He can drive forward with the ball. He can make line-breaking line break, line passes. And that was the one thing. You look at the Spurs team on Sunday, and I think they were good, but that is something they really lack when they don't have him. So it's like, can you, can you afford to lose him? And there's also this fear that if you do lose him, he could go on to be such an incredible player. You know, there, there is a reason why you know, PSG and Real Madrid wanted him when Spurs spent £55 million which I know seems crazy now, pre-pandemic world, six-year contract, 200K. I know that also seems crazy. And that's probably why it's going to be really difficult for Spurs to find a buyer for him. So maybe they're a bit trapped, but I would I would love to see it come good. Two things on that, Charlie. One, the phrase, you can't live with him, can't live without him. We do have that in English as well, so that you could have just said it in English. Not not as pithily, because well. it's literally just neither with him nor without him. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's fewer words. And you know I don't like to use loads of words in pieces. Uh, no, exactly, yeah. Um, and secondly, my feeling with Ndombele is maybe that actually, weirdly, Spurs aren't good enough for him. Mm. Like like a better team with better players could afford to accommodate a player like that who's only kind of going to turn up 40% of the time. And he'd win their matches uh, in that 40% of the time, but the rest of the time they'd kind of be okay with carrying a bloke who sort of cruises through games. It's kind of how I felt about Frank Lampard of Chelsea in England. Like, he could kind of cruise through games with Chelsea and pop up and last one in from the edge of the box deflected off someone's shin and it didn't matter because they had Drogba and Terry and Balak and whoever else in the team so they'd be okay but England you know they had uh, Phil Jagielka and Phil Jones and whoever in the team perhaps needed someone in midfield who could kind of dominate the game a bit more and I wonder whether a, si- a similar thing is true here you, you've got a few years of youth on me I love the way each generation of England fans has different different scars that they can't let heal and yours is that team with, <laughs> with no defenders um, and trying desperately to fit Lampard Gerrard etc into the, into the same 11 but actually I think the Ndombele thing brings a bigger problem to Spurs um, you're absolutely right to say that a 55 60 million whatever they paid for him um, and 200 grand a week he is there, he is one of the central players um, in the drama at the club. The problem for me seems, and it helped me with this guy, so I actually, this is as much, this podcast I see as much about sort of uh, mental well-being for me when you become my counsellors, um, is that Pierre, you know, Heuberg, we saw in the Euros, is a fantastic player of his type. And he started the season fantastic for Spurs, but tailed off because he's being asked to do everything. They don't have a partner for Hoiberg, and it's supposed to be Ndombele. And whether you play it with a two or a three, if Ndombele doesn't step up to the plate, start deep, surge forward, make those passes, who is supposed to play next to next to Hoiberg in the middle of that midfield? Well, firstly, Danny, I presume you're talking about Hoiberg. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I only say that because James called me out for once, I think, saying Trippier, accidentally, uh-huh. obviously, rather than Trippier. So I wanted to point out to James that he mispronounces Hoybier every week. And uh, now, Danny, you're doing it as well. And yet, well, let me ask you then, um, since we're doing this, Charlie, and establishing such obvious enmity 
Uh, so early in the new season, <laughs> new series. Um, do you say Paris or Parry when you're talking to people? Well, yeah, I, I appreciate that one. I know that's a bit of a grey area, but yeah. um, in fact, no, I'll just lie. I say Paris because I'm that much of a twat. Okay, well, no, no. We, this, this show needs twats. Every show needs twats. I mean, I'm glad you're wearing the hat because normally it's given straight to me. I'll win it back. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, all right, avoiding the question: Who is supposed to play next? Who is supposed to play next door? Next door to next door to the Danish bloke. I think it'll be. I think it'll be uh, Ollie Skip on. Uh, wow. On the on the weekend. It's actually pronounced Skip. Yeah, no, I was going to say Skype. Skip. I was thinking Ollie, Ollie Skype. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he played. He's played all the well since coming back from injury. Uh, he's played all the recent friendlies. The Celso only came back from the Copa America quite late, so I think it'll be him. I mean, look, we, we on last season that that midfield of Hoybier, the Celso, and Dombele was this kind of mirage that we always wanted to happen, and it very rarely did. It seems, in theory, like having a really good balance hasn't been used all that much, but um, yeah, I think it will be Skip and. But I think with Skip and Hoybier, you probably do need a Le Celso or an Dombele in there as well because they're quite similar players. Yeah, I mean, what about Skip? And it brings on to another subject. Um, obviously, the man uh, staring into his phone 24-7 will have other ideas. Um, how many more players do you think? We've seen you know, a few of the established first-team squad making their way out. There was talk about Skip, which is why I'm mentioning it, going on loan. Who else will we see depart, um, James, in the, part, in, in the next uh, three weeks? I mean, it sounds like from the piece suffered on The Athletic from, uh, from Charlie <laughs> that... Uh, Sanchez, Sissoko and Aurier are the three that they're still uh, keen to move on. It's probably fair to say, isn't it, Charlie? Yeah. And yeah. I don't think there'll be too many uh, objections among the fan base to any of those three going. First of all, Serge Aurier, the, the oft-repeated idea that he's going back to Paris Saint-Germain, I mean, it's just ludicrous, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's not happening, is it? Sissoko, bless him, uh, uh, until the latter half of last season, I thought he was a real trier. It's very hard to see them get offloading him. And Sanchez is, is the one that, Slightly fascinates me, and this could be pure self-delusion. I think there's a decent defender in there. But, of course, all we ever see on the pitch is people making two mistakes, a person who makes two mistakes a game, one of which costs a goal. It definitely feels like he's lost a lot of confidence. When, when he was playing with kind of peak Vertonghen or peak Alderweireld, or possibly sometimes both, he kind of felt like he was a... He kind of looked a decent, like, promising centre-back, you know, he would have been, what, like kind of 23, 24, or 22, 23 then, I guess. And he kind of, you kind of felt like he had a pretty high ceiling that he could be like a top Premier League centre-half. But, yeah, I do wonder whether he needs someone to hold his hand and he hasn't really had that in the last two seasons because there's been so much jobbing and changing and, you know, fumbling and whatever else that uh, he's uh, he struggled to kind of get his head straight, perhaps. I, I, he definitely strikes me as someone who, you know, his head's gone quite quickly. There was, a, there was interesting, I did a piece on Sanchez last year and speaking to people in Holland, obviously he'd been at Ajax, there's a view there that he left Ajax too soon, which I hadn't really thought of, I thought was quite interesting because it's quite a fine balance with when you leave Ajax. We've seen others who leave you know, before they're fully developed and it's quite hard because you don't get cut the same slack, obviously in the Premier League, uh, compared to the Eredivisie where you're, where you're playing for Ajax and you're probably dominating games. He's come over to England and he has made some mistakes and definitely, as James says, it's not his confidence. But yeah, I mean, he's someone who they'd like to sell. I was told, though, that Sevilla, they, they, that's not a deal they can do. Um, then Sissoko, I think Nice and some clubs in Turkey have expressed an interest. He's, he's very Turkish Super League. Uh, Tanganga uh, reported last week they've accepted a loan off of him from Galatasaray, 
she's kind of weighing up. But I think Tanganga's, I think he'll be the starting right back on Sunday. Uh, and I think that position suits him really well. And um, then we'll see. That Then it might suddenly be that do they need to spend, you know, 15, 20 million on Tomiyasu if Tanganga can come back into the team and show that he's, he's ready to play that role more regularly? I mean, I was, uh, and I read your piece with, with um, ever-widening eyes, shall we say. I was amazed that Spurs are thinking about letting Tanganga go out on loan. It's not like he's 18 and they're trying to toughen him up or one of those, you know, play football with real men. And I mean, surely they must know if this lad is going to be good enough now for the Premier League, the upper half of the Premier League. I'd like to say the top third of the Premier League, but it sounds a little bit presumptuous right now. Well, why are they letting him go, Charlie? Well, I, th- I think it just comes down to minute, you know, how much he's going to play. And if they don't think he'll play enough this season, that they think it's important for his development. And also Spurs have been burnt before with players not going out on loan, not playing enough and slightly stagnating. So I think they're just wary that that will happen with Tanganga. But I do, I do know what you mean. He, f- he feels like someone who is ready. He's played enough. You know, when he first burst into, this, into the team two years ago, he was great. And, you know, a real breath of fresh air at that time where Spurs had a lot of injuries and you know, it was quite a down of the mood. Can you burst onto the scene as a defender? I'm not sure you can. Well, that's, that's, that's certainly Roy Keane's view, isn't it? You cannot burst on the scene if you're a defender. I feel like you emerge as a defender. But I think the reason I say that is because literally, it was almost the first minute of his debut, he cleared two shots off the line. That is and true, I think if, yeah. if ever there's a defender bursting onto the scene, it's doing it against the Champions League winners and clearing it twice off the line in the first minutes of your debut. Well, I, I, I guess it's the greatest defensive debut atop since Danny Rose. Yes, that's a good shout, yeah. That was a burst. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Well, look, we kind of talked about the, the mixture of players Spurs have, and of course, we accept by the end of August, it could be a very, very different looking squad, depending on who's playing centre forward, for instance, and depending on what the endless phone activity of Fabio Paratici, I'm going to get this right, Paratici um, has, has brought forward. But of course, there's much more pressing business in the form of a game against arguably the best team in the world coming up in about 72 hours. Let's... Um, Let's end the podcast. Actually, I want to find out what else Charlie's going to bring for us in the course of the next few days on The Athletic. Um, but let's play a stupid game. Let's pick who we, th- who we think 
Nuno will pick for this game against Manchester City. And then we can, when we do the podcast on Monday, we can all reflect on just how clever we were to get these selections so, so right. Go on, who, who wants to start? James, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll say Lloris Lur- will play. Am I doing the whole team or just a goalkeeper? Do the whole team and then we can we can laugh at you accordingly. Okay, fine. So I'll say Lloris in goal. I mean, that, that seems likely, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, that should get you. Your confidence should be up now. We both agree. Yeah, with you. Uh, yeah good. Thank you. One on the board. Um, yeah. Now, <laughs> Charlie has planted the Tanganga seed, so to speak. So now he said that, and he played well at the weekend, and you know, set up the goal as well. I can kind of see that that might be. I mean, I mean, Doherty hasn't played much in pre-season. Has Aurier played at all? Mm, sure no, he, he came on against Arsenal for the last few minutes. But oh yeah, that's right. It. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go with you, Tanganga. If we assume Christian Romero isn't going to play, which I think is probably a safe assumption. Yeah. Spurs fans on Twitter will absolutely love this. Dyer and Sanchez, I think that seems like of the course. only combination. It's the 2018 World Cup all over again. And here's Eric Dyer and Sanchez playing. Because that's what's going to happen. I agree with you. Do you agree with that, Charlie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, that will be... I think it will be... Well, I don't want to spoil it, actually. But yes, I think... Uh, yes, I agree. It will be those. That, that is, Dyer and Sanchez. I don't Sanchez. want to give too much away. <laughs> Are you going to come up with some like left turn at the end, Charlie? Have you got some like so, the, the, bizarre gonna, selection? Yeah, I'm going to drop the bomb that Troy Parrott's going to start, even though he's gone out on loan. <laughs> he's gone out on loan. They bring him back. He's going to play. <laughs> that would be a well. I have got a return clause, but I don't think it kicks in until January. He <laughs> so. can't do it after a week. So yeah, Reggie on at left back. I guess I don't really yeah. see that being any different. He seems like he's done quite well in preseason as well. Yeah, he's been good. I mean, he's done very well. If you saw that picture of that barbecue, his legs yeah. are now like pipe cleaners. He got very fit looking legs there. I wasn't sure about some of the meat on that barbecue though. It did look like I mean, well done. Maybe would be the phrase I'd use. But it also doesn't look like a preseason meal. I mean, it's no, that's all right point. for me. I mean, I'm superbly upholstered, but I'm not expected to play professional sport for 90 minutes. I thought that I did not think that that was a meal which many of the sports scientists would have approved of. I've got to be honest, I approved of it. If that's any use. <laughs> All right, I'm going to help you here to move this on, James, because here, 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 play one of the two midfield holders. Yeah. We'll say with Skip. I think. I think. Uh, I'm assuming everyone agrees to that. So I don't know. I mean, this kind of team feels like it's picking itself. Yeah, I think it'll be the no, same. No, 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 no. I, okay. I, I wasn't sure about Skip at all. I thought they. Um, you know, we'll come on to what I thought. But uh, so you've got Hoiberg and Skip. Yeah. I think Skip and Lacelso is the only one I'm a little wavering on, but I think it probably will be yeah. Skip. I, I think it's going to be Skip. Then mm-hmm. you, you, hang on. How many players is that? Six. Yeah. You've got six and a goalkeeper. Seven. Uh, yeah, and then that front four. Delhi, Mora, Bergvine and Son. Yeah, Bergvine, who we're pretending has been okay now, aren't we? <laughs> he scored a goal. What we're doing now, the posters for the reissue of, the, of Martin Scorsese's Mean Streets was just a man looking at the world through his fingers. And that's how I see Bergvine. I can pretend he's going to be all right against Manchester City, but I've got absolutely no evidence well, for it. Well, he whatsoever. scored against Man City on, uh, on his day. He did score that goal against Manchester City. It was mishit. But, no, uh, look, come on. <laughs> I'm hoping that Stephen is a little bit fitter than he's looked at uh, playing for Spurs so far. Um, hello, Tangay as well. That was a burst on the scene, by the way, that Stevie Bergwijn goal. was a burst goal. on the scene, yeah. So there's his team. What about you, uh, uh, Charlie? What do you think? Yeah, that's it. I, I, would, I think it will be the same team that started uh, against Arsenal. Uh, the, the, as I say, the only one I think might change is the Celso could possibly come in for skip. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I, th- I think at this stage of the season, so much of it is you know how fit the players are, and Nuno's been fortunate, you know, because 
Spurs had so many players who performed badly last year that they didn't get in the Euros, uh, Euro squads. They've, they've had like a full pre-season. So I, I think they're in a good position. To Mourinho masterclass. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah that's probably... He's Mar- laid the groundwork. Mourinho's greatest gift to, to his successor. I take it you all noticed uh, Mourinho's most recent friendly. Oh. Um, Roma, five red cards, three on the pitch. Mourinho's assistant and Jose himself. Uh, he is the gift that, keep, that does indeed uh, keep on giving. So that's our, our view I'll be swayed by the experts, Lloris Tanganga, Dyer Sanchez Reguillon, um, the Danish fella Skip, Mora, Deli, Bergvine, and Son. Jack Greenish will probably be on the bench for them, which is quite a frightening prospect, isn't it? Their bench is going to be ridiculous. They're going to have a lot of players missing, aren't they? They've had so many players away at the Euros yeah. in the Copa America and whatever that have, that have hardly trained. I mean, I think they could be quite undercooked or overcooked. I think it's a, yeah, um, I think maybe playing to Spurs hand. I think them. it's a good time to play them. That they'll have a lot of players who might only be fit enough to be on the bench or not at all. Okay, well, uh, you, you, you've engendered a sense of optimism that I wasn't um, woken up with this morning, shall we put it that way, about this fixture. Um, also, the first game every season is a chance for the little teams, uh, you know, Brentford against Arsenal, Spurs against Manchester City, to show what they what they hope to bring uh, to the Premier League uh, this, this season. Look, um, I think we've covered most of the things that don't require just endless speculation. Um, when we come back uh, in a few days' time here on The View from the Lane, um, James, Charlie, maybe Jack will be back from Paris here, yeah, right? And myself will perhaps have um, a, a Spurs victory to talk about, and wouldn't that be great? Um, it's all required, at least for me to do now, Charlie, is to say you've got about three days before Spurs actually have to take to the sward um, and make the new <laughs> season happen. Um what are you going to be concentrating on? What kind of articles are you going to bring to us in The Athletic? So there's a big piece on Nuno that's been in the works for some time, um, kind of looking at him. There's, there's this idea of kind of him as a Mourinho disciple and it's looking at that and whether that how true that is and, and going into a lot of detail on his man management, on his training, his approach to sports science, um, you know, the Jorge Mendes thing. By the way, can I just say on that, when you said George Mendes like that last time, we had complaints that that was wrong. Because he's Portuguese, not German. Oh, what, so it should be sorry, what? Portuguese, not Spanish. Sorry. So it should be what? George. George, yeah. Or George? Or George? Okay. Mendes. Whatever. George. George. Pedro Mendes. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, um, Pedro Mendes. That's a yeah. lot easier. Hello, Ben Thatcher, if you're listening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and a proper season preview as well. Um, and I should say as well, it's probably you know a good sign that we're doing articles that people care about because a lot of the topics you mentioned, Paratici, uh, Brian Hill, Romero, uh, have done big pieces on over the last few weeks. And Lamella, uh, our colleague Seb Safford Blaw did a great piece on him and kind of why he was so loved at Tottenham. So that's all there for you as well and, and lots, lots more. Well, fantastic. And uh, remember, if you're not already a subscriber, you can read all of those articles by going to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. And right now you can sign up with a 33% discount on a full subscription. We'll be back on Monday to reflect on Spurs' first game of the season, a victory over Manchester City. See you then. The Athletic.